Welcome to the Word of Life Center podcast. It's our desire that today's message would equip and empower you to see the Word of God bring life to your life. This evening, we want to jump uh, in the Word. Uh, how many are thankful for God's Word this evening? I am. I love it. Well, a few of you are. Um, I want to. I want to talk to you tonight. Um, this series is. I mean, excuse me. This message out of a, is out of a series that uh, I, I love, and it's called Tipping Points. The name of the series is called Tipping Points. A tipping point is when things shift. It's just when things when things shift. How many? How many of you could use a shift in your life? Anybody here? In other words, something. I may, it may be in your body. It may be just in your career. It could be in your future. It could be in your family. It could just be any, any area in your life. You know, we, we should all really desire some, some God to, to come into our life and to come into our realm of influence and to come into us and begin to shift some things. And that's what a tipping point is. It's when things begin to change. And so I want to talk to you tonight about those tipping points and, and, and really how faith... Faith. How many? How many is a faith? How many faith people do we have in the house? Okay. How many faith people do we have in the house? How faith? Now we all love that part, right? But how faith and you ready for this one? Patience. Ha! Everybody's like, oh no, not one of those sermons, not one of those messages. But how faith and patience create? How faith and patience create those tipping points in our life? Again, how many people need something to shift in your life? You want something to shift. Well, you need to, you need to listen to this. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. I've got a lot of content tonight. There's a really good chance I'm not going to get through it all. But we'll just, we'll just start rolling and just see how far we get tonight. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, uh, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. You've been around church a while. You've heard this scripture many, many times. Um, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the question is this. The question is this. What about faith pleases God? Why does faith please God? If you want to get the answer to that, it's really pretty simple. The reason that faith pleases God is that God is one of the most... He's, he's the most relational person you'll ever know. God is the most relational person that you'll, you'll ever know. And, 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 and faith, listen to me, faith is trust. And trust is the foundation of any relationship. So faith is trust. And trust, trust is the foundation of any relationship. So one of the reasons that faith pleases God and the reason the Bible says that faith pleases God is because God is very relational. As a matter of fact, I like to say this and add this when it comes to uh, uh, the relational and how God is relational. He's the most relational person you'll ever meet. He, he loves for us to relate to him the way that he wants us to relate to him. And we say, how, how should we relate to God? Is God just some distant being? Is God just this big, this person's just far away place that, that one day I'll get to meet him and I'll get to spend eternity with him? And because the, the truth is, guys, a lot of Christians think that way. That, that I'm just going to be in the earth and I'm going to roll through life and I'm going to do life. And then because I'm saved, then I'm going to meet God one day and me and God are going to have this relationship one day. And, but the truth is, God doesn't want a relationship one day, he wants your relationship, what? Today. 
And he specifically wants us to relate to him the way that he wants us to relate to him. And that is that he is our father. I I just finished a series a couple of weeks ago called The Illusionist. And the series, the series is about Satan. And the whole point of the series is this. Is, is that an illusionist, an illusionist does not create reality. An illusionist bends reality. An illusionist wants to take something that's real and twist it and make it to where it doesn't look real. What's the Blaine guy that's on television? What's his name? David Blaine? He does not levitate. <laughs> I hate to spoil you. People are like, man, David Blaine, that dude on television, he does those funny stuff. He's gonna let... He doesn't levitate. He really doesn't. He's an illusionist. The greatest illusionist on the planet is Satan. Listen to me. The world is his stage. He's the God of this world, and he is the greatest illusionist that will ever live. You know why? That's all he's got. That's all he's got. And one of the illusions in the world today that I think is so, so important to, un- to unveil is, is the illusion of the Father, especially in America. Do you want to know why the enemy comes after the family the way that he does? Do you know, you want to know why the, the, the enemy comes after what we call the traditional family where there's a father in the home and there's a, there's a mother in the home and together they raise children? Do you know, want, you want to know why that takes place? You want to know the enemy reason the why the, the enemy is after that? Listen very closely. It's because he wants to create an illusion in regards to God. Because if we come up to a, if we come up to a young person uh, and, and it's, it's uh, grown up in a family that, that the husband, the father didn't stay in the marriage, didn't fight for the marriage, and he bails on that family, when someone comes up to that kid later on in life and says, look, God wants to be a father to you, guess what's going to happen? That child is not going to be, he's going to struggle to relate to God the way that God wants that kid to relate to him because he has not had a father figure in his life. So it is a foreign concept to him. Are you following me? So the enemy is working very, very hard today because he wants to create the illusion that the father in the home really doesn't matter anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a lie from the enemy. We've got to have fathers in the homes. Come on, somebody. We've got to have fathers in the homes. Why? Because then that kid's got a better chance. It's not impossible, but they got a better chance of going, you know what? I get it. How my God wants to be my heavenly father too. God is relational. And God wants us to trust him like a father. Why does faith please God? Is because our faith means God's involvement. You jot that down if you're taking notes. Why does faith please God? Is because our faith means God's involvement. It's God's, it's God's door. In other words, if we want God involved in our life, faith is required. Can somebody say amen to that? 
And one of the most important elements of faith, and I know you guys love this, and you're going to be thankful you came to church on a Wednesday night. A very important element of faith is, everybody ready? It's patience. Don't you just get excited. Yes, yes, we love, we loved. <laughs> Hebrews 6.12 says, um, we do not want you to become lazy. We we do not want you to become lazy. Watch this. But imitate those who through faith and what? But to imitate those who through faith and what? Inherit what has been promised. Listen, if you're going to be a faith person, you got to be a patient person. If you're going to be a faith person, you got to be a patient person. If you're going to be a faith person, you got to be a patient person. Because Hebrews, again, 6.12 says that faith and patience is what creates the opportunity for us to experience the promises that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews uh, 10.36 says, learn, learn. I've got on my, on my iPad here, I actually underlined that because I can do that with technology. Learn to be patient. And the reason, the reason that, that John Welch underlined the word learn to be patient, learn, it, because naturally speaking, John Welch is not a very patient person. Do, do, do I have any other impatient people in the house? Or is, come on, somebody make me feel good that I'm not alone up here this evening. <laughs> naturally speaking, I'm not a patient person. And, and, and two, because we live in a society, we live in a world that, that, that patience is really not required a lot today. It's really not required a lot because we can have, we can have instant results in really almost anything. Can somebody re- get on board with that? Almost anything. We can have instantaneous results. We were, we were, we were laughing the other day and talking the other day about, uh, we were just, remember, remember anybody remember when uh, the internet came out? And you had to dial up, you had to dial up, and it, and it made all those crazy noises, and we were going, this is incredible. <laughs> and, then, and then we're waiting on the computer to download everything, and, we're, and like, it took, it took three minutes to connect and, and get to the website or get to the internet like you wanted. And we were like, this is incredible, three minutes, and we're already on the world wide web. Hey, how many in the house today would wait three minutes on something to, to uh, download? And nobody is in there. Matter of fact, if it doesn't happen in about 30 seconds, we're changing. <laughs> so, so what's happening is, is that, that we live in a world, we live in a society, we live in a culture where, where, where we think we don't have to be patient. But listen, listen to me, but we serve a God, we serve a God where patience is required. So we can't allow, we, we got to be careful not to let the environment that we live in uh, crowd out the, the kingdom that we're a part of. That's a good place to say amen there. It says, learn to be patient, watch this, so that, so that you will please God and be given what he's promised. How many's got something today that you know that God's promised you that you haven't experienced? Huh? All of us should have some our hands up in there right now. Everybody in this room, because we've we've none of us in this room have ever exhausted the promises of God. 
All right. So if you're like, yeah, I don't really have, any, I don't really have anything that God's promised that that He hadn't done yet. Listen, then then you got a problem because you're leaning on your own life and your own stuff to make this whole thing work. Amen. All right. So listen, learn to be patient. Learn, but we can learn to do it. Everybody say, I can do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. Turn to your second choice and say, you can do it. All right. Learn to be patient so that, so that you will please God and be given what he has promised. Listen, the greatest challenge of faith is surviving the waiting period. The greatest challenge of faith is surviving the, the waiting period. The three, three areas of faith I want to talk to you tonight. Three areas of faith. Excuse me, three areas that we must learn to be patient in. Three areas. I'm not going to get to all three, so I'll probably just maybe get to one. All right? But we're going to shoot for three, okay? All right? Yeah, be patient. Thank you. Who said that? That was brilliant. It was all, give me the high, virtual boom right there. That was awesome. Be patient. Three areas that we must learn to be patient in. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. But you've got to be patient, patient with God. We've got to have patience with God. Learn to have patience with God. Learn to have patience with God. God is the God of process. God, he's our father, but he's also the God of process. God is our father, but he's also the God of process. Everybody say, God is the God of process. The Bible says that we go from faith to faith. That's a process. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. What's that? That's a process. God, God is the God of process. If you want to learn one of the greatest secrets about walking with God is that God will always, there's always a process involved with God. Now, let me just take you on a quick, a quick little side trail here. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus teaches the most, the most important parable in the Bible. It's the most important parable in the Bible. It's the parable where he talks about the sower going out and sowing seed, right? The farmer that, you remember, the farmer goes out and sows seed, and um, he talks about, matter of fact, Jesus, about that parable. Interesting thing, number one, it's the only parable that Jesus ever explained. It's the only one that he ever explained. The other one, the other important thing is this, is that, that Jesus made this statement. He said, if you don't understand this parable, and he, sa- he said this early on in his ministry, early on in the three and a half years that he was on the planet. He said, if you don't understand this, uh, th- th- what we're teaching here, you're not going to understand any other parable. Let me, let me put it this way. Jesus was saying this, understanding this parable gives you context for everything else that I'm going to talk about. Are you following me? So, if, so what Jesus taught there is he said, he said look, the word of God's like, word's like a seed. It's a seed principle. It's like a farmer that takes a seed and he plants it. And, and, the, and, and as he's explaining the parable... He said, the farmer goes out and plants a seed. And he said, first, there's just a little bit of a plant that shoots up. And then there's a, there's a little bit more of a stalk. And he said, then there's some greenery that comes on there. And he said, then there is the entire fruit. You see, what happens is in life, in life as faith people, when we're living in the gap and we're working the gap between the time we begin to promise God and the time that we see the fruit, what happens is, is that, that, that we, we want the fruit like right now. But what? God is the God of what? Process. God is the God of what? Process. 
And Jesus said the farmer came out and, and he said he watched the process. He, he worked with the process. He said day in and day out, he would come out. And he noticed that, that at first there was nothing happening. When he planted that seed, there was nothing going on. There was nothing going on. But you know what? He is a farmer and he knows that there is a process to the harvest. Are you following me? So he kept coming back and back and he began to notice. Jesus said that the farmer began to notice that thing began to grow. Why? Because the farmer knew the process. Everybody listen to me. God is a God of process. That's why patience is required. (laughs) Oh, this is good teaching. Here's why being... Learning to be patient with God is so important. If you get anything out of this message, please get this. I am talking. No, no, no. I'm, I will not be that arrogant. The Holy Spirit is talking to some folks in this room right now. Listen. The reason it's important to be develop our patience with God is because impatience always cost. <laughs> impatience always what? God bless you. Listen, when we are impatient, we take things into our own hands. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite Proverbs is trust in the Lord with all your heart. And What? That's what happens in the gap. God, I don't see anything happening. I don't see it's not working out my way. It's it's just not. I'm in the gap. Most difficult part of faith is surviving the gap. Biggest challenges of faith is faith people. It's navigating the gap and learning how to work the gap and live in the gap. But in the gap, we cannot get caught up in the trap of leaning to our own understanding. But verse 6 says, in all your ways, submit to who? God. And he will make your paths what? Great example. Great example in the Bible of uh, two people that were not patient. And impatience cost them was Sarah and Abraham. Abram. Remember those guys? Genesis chapter 16, verse 2. There's a conversation that's taking place, but prior to this conversation that we're, we're about to read, God had given Sarah and Abram a promise. And God said this. God said, Sarah and Abram, um, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a child. You two are going to be parents. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, for folks that have read the Bible a little bit, you're like, yeah, I know the other side of the story. The problem with Abram and Sarah was this, that, that, that they were a little past childbearing age. Like in their 70s, they're about. <laughs> and, and not only that, Sarah had never been able to have a child. Then God comes along and says, Sarah and Abram, guess what? You two are going to have a baby. And Abram was probably like, praise the Lord. So time went by and nothing happened. I'm assuming there was corresponding 
action there. I don't, I don't know, but I'm just assuming. I'm not going to explain. Google that. I'm not going to explain that. <laughs> Some of you might get that on the way home. Anyway. Genesis 16, too. So God's given this promise. Time's going by. Nothing's happened. Now, look, look. This is a conversation that's taking place. They're in the tent talking. Genesis 16, 2, it says, So she, uh, Sarah, said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. How many believe she was off a little bit there? God's not the source of your problem, Sarah. God is the source. He's the answer. So listen to this. So Abram and Sarah in the tent. Could you imagine? Let's pretend like we're there right now. All right? So we're like in there with them, but they can't see us. So she says to Abram, Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. She's frustrated. How many of you ever been frustrated when you're serving God? Living in the gap. She's just frustrated because, you know, we've been doing, she's probably, we, Abram, look, we've been doing everything. Everything. And, and nothing's happening. So, so she's, here's, here's what I think we should do. Talking to Abram, her husband. We're in the tent with him. Go sleep with my slave. Watch this. Now, Abram's listening. Husbands, you know, this would be a crazy conversation to have. I'm talking to be like, I don't know what to say. So she says, look, look, Abram, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. I want you to go sleep with my slave, which is female, by the way. And uh, watch this. Watch this. Perhaps I want you to see something right here. This is her reasoning taking place, her understanding. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Did you get that? Perhaps what? So Abram, <laughs> Abram's head's probably spinning. Because he's like, in his mind, he's thinking, you're asking me? She's asking me to sleep with another woman? You know, sometimes desperation can drive you to do very unwise things. But look what Abram said. Put it back out there, please. Put it back up there, please. Abram agreed to what she said. So Abram's listening, and he's like, brilliant! <laughs> yes! That's what we should do. I should go sleep with a woman that I'm not in covenant with. <laughs> All right, so a little time goes by, right? So Abram does, does this thing. Hagar conceives. Then Abram and Sarah are having another conversation. They're back in the tent where they're with him. Genesis 16, 5 says, Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. And Abram's like, Sarah, you came up with the idea, sister. So she's bummed and she's upset because I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. And Abram's probably like, oh, God, what have I done? Look at this. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now she is mad at Abram and she came and she's the one that came up with the idea. Poor Abram. (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen to this statement. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that was God's best? Is that what God said? No, but what did Sarah do? She said, I'll do it. You know what she began to do? She began to manipulate. She began to manipulate. She began to use other channels. She began to go another way. She began to use her influence as leverage. Come on now. Listen, when your solution is not aligned with God's strategy, you're going to sabotage your future every time. In other words, listen, Sarah said, I got the solution. You sleep with my, you sleep with my slave. You sleep with the girl. And you know what happened? Listen to me. It sabotaged their future. Not only did it sabotage their future, but that choice affects us today. Because Hagar, the slave girl, she had a little boy. And his name is Ishmael. If you study Ishmael's lineage, do you know what it will be traced back to? The Muslim religion. So impatience will cost us Every single time. The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. It's pretty quiet on a Wednesday night here in... (laughs) Patience pays because impatience affects our attitude. Patience pays because impatience affects our our attitude. Listen to me. Patience is not the ability to wait. It's how how we act in the gap. I was talking to our lead team um, in the Lake Charles campus yesterday. And so, you know, we're, 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 we're making some adjustments and we're making some changes moving to a new season. And as we are uh, merging uh, churches, we'll have one church in two locations, the Shreveport campus and the Lake Charles campus. I'm as excited about that. Amen. It's exciting. It is so, so exciting. So there are adjustments that we're making there. And, and listen, there will be adjustments that we're making here. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, you're right. Ooh. Didn't say anything about that. We were talking about, I was talking with, you know, talking about adjustments and changes and transition. Let, 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 me just, let me just talk to you real quick, okay? Let me just pass to you in this moment when it comes to change and transition. Number one is that change happens automatically. Changes in church, churches happen. Changes in our bodies happen. Changes in our life happen. Changes in our family they happen. Are you following me? But sometimes people think, well, no, I'm not. I'm, no, I don't really change. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Why don't you, let's take a picture of you now. <laughs> then bring you back in 15 years. And we'll go, doggone it, they changed. 
right? Because, because change happens. It's happening. But here's the deal with change. Either you're going forward or you're going what? But you're not staying still. That's true in life. That's true in church. It's what? It's, it's, it's true. But see, sometimes, sometimes, it's not that we don't like change. But sometimes we don't like how people try to change us. We, we all like change. You say, well, I don't. Yes, you do. Have you been driving the, the same car for 75 years? No, you change cars. You change the color of your hair sometimes. You change the color in your house. Come on now. We, we all like change, right? It's, it's, as long as it doesn't require us to really change sometimes. So I was talking with our, our team about, about change. And, and as a lead, as a lead team, we, we work together to facilitate that change. And, and, and one of our values on that campus and this campus, too, is unity. And, and we value unity because we believe in unity. We believe in the power of unity. Therefore, as we are negotiating and navigating change, it's important that as, as, as folks go, what's going on here? We don't understand. What's going on here? We stand up and say as leaders, go, you know what? It's a great day. Things are happening. We're moving forward. And we don't have to have all the answers right now. We just keep coming back, keep showing up, and you'll keep figuring it out and understanding it. We're just moving forward amen, amen. Uh, but i said this i said but leaders listen to me leaders don't just sit back just don't sit back and go i'm just going to check it out and see what happens no 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 that's what spectators do that's what spectators do leaders lead in the change come on now Leaders. So my point is this. My point is this: is it's important that we don't fall into the trap of impatience, being impatient, because because impatience will affect our attitude every single time. You know, you don't believe me? As I'm starting to wrap up, Numbers twelve. Excuse me, 21, 4, and 5. It says the Israelites left Mount Har and went on to the road towards the Red Sea in order to go around the country of Edom. Watch this. But the people became impatient on the way. How many knows you got to be patient on the trip? Yeah. How many had one of those kids? When are we going to be there, Dad? When are we going to be there, Dad? Just shut up and be patient. <laughs> is anybody getting anything out of this tonight you're having fun too i, I like to have fun too i, I enjoy it I, I just don't like being boring the bible's not boring if you find the bible boring you're boring that's the problem <laughs> you're probably like Man, I'm glad I came to church on a Wednesday night. Now he's saying I'm boring. So uh, we're just having fun, right? All right. Got to be patient on the journey. Got to have fun on the journey. People became impatient on the way. Watch this. And grumbled at God and Moses. They grumbled. Began to grumble. We're there yet? Now, what, what had God done? 
What had God done through, through Moses? God looked at these people that were prisoners. They were in bondage. God sent Moses as a, as a redeemer to, to, to bring them out. And they're on this journey to this amazing place that God has for them. And it's not working out the way that they think that they should work out. And then they begin to grumble and they begin to complain against God and the leadership. Listen to me. It's not God and it's not the leadership. The problem is you're being impatient, children of Israel. And how many of you realize that, 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 that attitude in life is so very important? I like what one preacher said, that attitude determines your what? Altitude. Attitude determines your what? Altitude. Attitude determines, am I going to stay here? Am I going to settle just for what? In this place of desert when God's got a promised land for me? Attitude says, no, I'm not going to settle. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. And I'm going to have a great attitude because I want my attitude not just, it's not about me, but it's also about other people. I want to infect people with a godly attitude and an attitude of faith, not a grumbling, stinking, complaining attitude. It's another thing that I teach in leading in, in our teams. People say, Pastor John, what do you do? I'll tell you what I do. This is what I do. I preach the gospel. That's what I do. I develop leaders. That's what I do. The third thing I do is I guard and protect vision. To make sure that we stay focused on what God has called us to do. And you say, what has God called us to do here at Word of Life? I can tell you this. is to help people know God, discover their purpose, and help people make a difference. That's what we're about. Okay? And I'm completely confident in me being able to do those three things. God's given me that gift. And I'm confident in it. I'm not arrogant. I'm thankful for it. But here, here's the reason in leadership I talk about this, especially transition and change. Because that's what leaders do. They help transition and move. And together we move and we go. We make, we make things happen for the kingdom of God. Aren't you thankful that we get to do that? Come on now. Aren't you thankful that we get to do that? But see, but attitude is huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Because here, here's why. A bad attitude creates undercurrent. How many's ever been to the beach before? Been to the beach? How many's ever been on the beach and they, 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 the, the, the lifeguards have this big red sign out there and it says no swimming because of riptides? You know what I'm talking about? So riptide is this. You can walk up there and you can look at the water and you go, I don't see any current. Because they say don't get in the water because if you get in the riptide, it pulls you away from where you're supposed to go, where you want to be at. It just pulls you out there to la-la land. How many knows this when you're in the ocean? You don't need to get pulled out away from the boat. No, not me. I can swim, but you know what? But they said, no, don't, don't go too far because there's an undercurrent out there. It's a riptide. Now, on the surface, you can't really see it unless you really know what you're looking for. But beneath, listen to me, but beneath there's this, there's this undercurrent, and it will pull you away. Listen to me. That's what bad attitudes do. In other words, it can look fine on the surface. It all looks good. My house is good. My home is good. Marriage is good. But there can be this just little undercurrent. And that's an attitude. And so it begins to pull away 
from what God has and God's best. You see, manipulation, oh. You see, I'm a pastor, I can see it. Because they want to pull this way. No, 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 no. We're gonna have. We're gonna be patient. We're gonna let God work. Amen. We're gonna be patient with God and let God work. It's just not about me building something. It's not about me trying to say something. It's about God working and keeping the attitude. We're not gonna be impatient, but we're gonna let God work in our lives personally and in our church and what God's called us to do and what God's called us to be. Can somebody say Amen to that? Because we serve a God. We serve a God. He's the God of process. But when He delivers, come on now. When He delivers. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God I handled that gap right. Thanks for listening to the Word of Life Center podcast. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter or at our website, wordoflifecenter.org.